from One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Weinman. A few months ago, Golf Digest cover featured Tony Finau, who was then a rookie on the PGA Tour and who is still looking for his first career PGA Tour win. But Finau's story is unlike almost any other golfer. He grew up in a modest neighborhood in Salt Lake City, fielded offers to play Division I college golf and basketball, but ultimately decided to turn pro at 17. He didn't make it to the PGA Tour until last season, but he made the most of it. He won more than $2 million and even registered a top 10 in the uh, PGA Championship in August. It's made for a pretty head-spinning couple of months, but uh, Finau is a pretty level-headed guy as it is. And he joins me now to talk about last season and what he expects from 2016. Tony, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. My, my pleasure. So we're going into year two, or you're in year two uh, on the tour. I'm curious yeah. how that works in terms of expectations, both from outside and, and what you place on yourself. I mean, everyone you know has universally agreed that the, the, your first season on tour was a great success. So how does your expectations change? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, after my first year, I can I can really sit down and evaluate the year and and see where I feel like I can improve and, and hope to do that in my second season. Um, but as far as adding um, adding expectations, you know, I, I felt like at the end of last year um, there were definitely some things that that I could accomplish um, out here uh, maybe a little sooner than I, than I had hoped. So um, there's definitely some expectations that I put on myself, and I think those are uh, the most important ones um, is just uh, chasing after those goals that I have both short-term and long-term, but um, my first year was a lot of fun, and, and I look forward to uh, to my second year out here on the PGA Tour. Obviously, one of the big things that you have going for you is a lot of these golf courses you're going to be seeing for the second time. So, you know, for instance, you're playing Honda Classic this week. Last year you played it as well. What 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 does that allow you? Yeah, for sure. I think course knowledge is huge when you're playing out here against guys that have played golf, you know, these tournaments in tournament conditions, you know, over, you know, five, six, seven times. So, um, or five, six, seven years, which will total more than 20, you know, 20 or 30 times they played the event. So, um, or played the golf course. So I think, you know, course knowledge is huge. And and now having this opportunity my second time around to play these different courses, um, I'm a little bit more familiar, more familiar with where to stay, uh, where to eat. And so just, just more comfortable, I think, in your second year and, and I'm starting to find that out my second time around. I would imagine also that, I mean, I'm sure you had plenty of contemporaries from the web.com tour, you know, when you were out there last year, but I'm sure you just know a lot more guys, both, you know, both yeah. players and caddies and whatnot. That's got to be, adds to your yeah. comfort level. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, uh, at this point last year, you know, I didn't know as many guys for sure and uh, as many caddies, but I, I'm, I'm a lot more well-known all, all around the tour, and it's, it's really nice. Uh, I think you start to get more comfortable with, uh, with the atmosphere when, when you know guys uh, around you, you know, and, and basically your co- your coworkers uh, is, is basically is, is, is it. So um, definitely. One of the other big changes for you this off season was you switched uh, to to Nike Golf yeah. from from Callaway, um, which is you know kind of head to toe uh, apparel, equipment, everything. Talk to me about. The decision to do that, and what are the challenges, and what are the opportunities afforded to you by by moving over? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, when the opportunity arose, um, uh, I was very excited to 
uh, have the opportunity to work with a worldwide brand like Nike. I really was, and um, I think the feeling was mutual. Um, but I, you know, I think the bottom line for me was the question I had to answer was, you know, was I was I going to be able to change equipment and and not alter the course of my career? And I felt like uh, the answer was yes, and that's that was the ultimate uh, decision that I made uh, was based on that and uh, and and everything that else, everything else that came uh, with joining Nike has, has really been excellent. You know, the apparel and the footwear and, and really just uh, just the whole nine. But, you know, for me, it's uh, it was the equipment. And I, yeah, I got over to Dallas at the oven and, and made sure I got my work in there and made sure that I could be comfortable with the equipment um, because that was the, the most important component. And once I, de- once I decided that I could, then, you know, I, I, t- I, took, a step, I took a step in that direction. Uh, and I'm really happy uh, that I did. How much of a learning curve, Tony, do you allow yourself? Even if you feel comfortable with the equipment, do you say, well, you know, it's just it's just going to take whatever it is, six months, a year, to feel 100% comfortable with it? Yeah, I mean, I think you just, as, as you know, each tournament, you just continue to learn about yourself and uh, and about the equipment and, and how they perform. And um, and I, kn- I knew there was going to be uh, a little bit of a learning curve, but, uh, you know, I'm really happy with what I have and, and the equipment that I have in play right now um and you know i look forward to to the florida swing and and and, you know hope to do some some damage here in the florida swing and 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 really get the you know get my second year on uh underway you know one of the nike's great sort of statements they like to make is that they're for athletes they're you know they're not you guys aren't golfers you're you're athletes you you obviously come from a very diverse athletic background you played basketball had division one offers and I'm how much of that is an appeal to you to be identified as not you know just a golfer yeah that was huge that's that was a huge component uh to it I was you know attracted me to Nike for sure um I I felt like uh, I'm an athlete and and everything that they spoke about um with you know the modern athlete and 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 really just just look look at all their athletes, you know. I think um, they speak for themselves as how how good of athletes there are, and, and so it was really intriguing to me. So I, I definitely do feel like I fit in and kind of fit the bill on on you know where they're trying to uh, where they're trying to go in their in the golf industry. So I was extremely excited about the opportunity, and and again, I'm, I'm extremely happy to be with uh, uh, with Team Nike. Sure, your your road to the PGA Tour is a really interesting one. It's definitely different than than the vast majority of golfers. You grew up in Salt Lake City in an area you played a par 3 course um, at, you know at a time when probably a lot of your contemporaries were not playing a lot of golf. I'm curious like what was the perception of golf when you were growing up among your friends and how do you think it's changed for a kid who's in Salt Lake City now? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So I what, golf was looked at when I was a kid as, as like a sissy sissy sport, kind of a, a girl sport. To be honest, um, nobody really played golf in the area that I grew up, and, um, and and so nobody really knew about it. But they they just knew older men played it, and uh, and most uh, mostly rich folks. So um, we definitely weren't that, and and so we were we were definitely laughed at as kids, as as my brother and I would practice at the course and. Uh, you know, it's pretty crazy. We'd, we'd go by the parks and have all the kids there playing football and basketball, and and we'd drive past there and get to the golf course, and there'd be nobody there but us. But uh, uh, it was definitely a different upbringing um, background than, than most of the guys out on the PGA Tour. But um, you know, I we figured out a way to, you know, to uh, you know, I learned to love the game. I really did. You know, I didn't have a lot of people that played it. But uh, I was just super competitive, and once I started to win, I feel like at a young age at uh, golf, I, I just knew that 
Um, I, you know, I love golf more than anything else. I felt like I could play other sports, but my heart was never in any other sport but golf. And uh, and I'd have to say, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I that I decided to stick with golf and, and play. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's funny. I was thinking, you know, that video of you dunking from, you know, standing still position was kind of made the rounds about a month ago. And as you recall, like Rory got in all kinds of, I don't know if I wouldn't call it trouble, but it was a big story when he uh, injured his ankle having a you know, yeah. kickabout in soccer. Uh, are you reluctant to engage in other activities just based on the fact that you make your living using your body? I, I, I should be more reluctant than I am. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> um, I I do still you know like to enjoy some, some basketball, uh-huh. but uh, I probably play more than I should. Um, to be honest, <laughs> um, you know, I, I enjoy playing volleyball as well. We played a lot of volleyball growing up. My sisters played uh, Division One volleyball, so we, uh, we're a pretty competitive family. So when we get together, we play volleyball as well. But um, I definitely am more skeptical uh, now that I'm on a PGA Tour to uh, being prone to injury than I ever have before. Oh. So um, I, may, I may need to lay that down just a little bit. I bet. What what do you think? It's funny, you know. Golf Digest is a thing we talk about all the time, which is you know, as someone like yourself who came to golf through sort of an unconventional route. What what do yeah. you think is the key to getting kids from diverse backgrounds into the game? What's the biggest barrier that you see right now, and how do you overcome it? That's a great question. Um, well, first of all, the I, I feel like the game's got to be more accessible uh, to kids with uh, without the resources and without the funds. Um, I think that's for, uh, that's first, you know, first off, in an area that I grew up, uh, you know, we, we, there was there was never any anybody willing to have kids come out and play, and and so kids, uh, you know, they're not going to be attracted to that game. They're going to be attracted to playing other sports. Um, so I think it's got to be more accessible. Um, and and really, I don't I don't know what the answer is to that, you know. But I do think, um, you know, head pros, and and I think I mentioned it in. In my golf digest, when you guys had me on the cover, sure. which um, I was extremely grateful for, uh, thanks for that. No problem. Um, when I was on that cover, I think I do remember, you know, recall uh, my story. Just, just saying, you know, to the pros and mm-hmm. the guys that own 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 the golf golf courses and golf shops, you know, just um, give back to these, you know, to the kids, you know, allow them to play and um, give them some range balls to hit. You know, I had I had that person in, in my life in the golf course that I grew up on. You know, he saw our dedication and so. He allowed us to play on the par three course, and uh, you know I'm extremely grateful for that. But I wouldn't have had that opportunity if if the pro didn't allow me. So I think little things like that um, could help you know some of these kids um, uh, just you know just to allow them to play, and, and so they don't feel like uh, they're left out. You know, it's it's got to be the game's got to be a little bit more enjoyable, and, and it's got to be more um, open to, to younger or the younger kids um, for the game to grow. Sure. It's it's actually one of my favorite parts of that golf that is my shot. I'll read it to you. It's, uh, you say, to the everyday golfers out there, pick up a kid's green fee when you can. To the starters on the first tee who notice poor kids hanging around, let them play for free when it's not busy. To the head pros, don't get on the starters for doing that. To the bosses of the head pros, don't threaten to fire them for giving the kids a break. To everybody. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the ultimate uh, contradiction, though, is like we golf digest, you know, everyone talks about getting kids in the game, yet when we go out on a golf course, if we've, you know, we have our tee time at 10 a.m., if we got stuck behind a foursome of kids, we'd be we'd be bummed out. So <laughs> you're just on, yeah, you'd be, be on fire, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's one of those great conflicts that we deal with, which is we definitely want more 
more kids in the game, everyone agrees that the game needs to grow, and, and it's such a great sport that we want to expose people to. But I guess it, it's going to require some patience from, from a lot of people as well. Yes, yeah, good call. Tony, for actually, you mentioned the Golf Digest cover. I'm curious, like, what the reaction was, both from, you know, peop, your, your inner circle and then even on tour, when, when someone like yourself is on the cover of Golf Digest, what, what did that exposure mean to you? Yeah, well, it meant, it meant a lot. You know, I was, I was, I was humbled, uh, really, to be on the cover. I know a lot of great champions and great players have been on the cover um, and some that have not. So the, to be one that has been on the cover, uh, I was extremely grateful. Um, but I think the... You know, it's it's been really cool. A lot of the guys were were really, you know, they they saw the cover and and were really happy for me. You know, I really sincerely felt that way, and uh, and so the you know the feeling was was pretty cool. And then I've had a lot of fans that have recognized me more uh, from the cover. You know, the coolest, really, the coolest thing about being on the cover was um, I could never get used to it, but just seeing my 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 face on the cover of a magazine, walking through. Walking through the newsstands at the airport and and going through the you know seven no local Seven Eleven you know and, and Chevron store to get some gas you know <laughs> and, and seeing my face up there is, it was pretty surreal. So I think the experience for me was was more surreal than than anything else. It was it was absolutely um, you know I was dumbfounded really every time uh, I saw that. So um, I was really really fortunate and uh, you know and I feel blessed to to be on the cover and and I really I just hope I can live up to um, that that great honor. Very cool. I know you got to go pretty soon. Let me ask you: While you you just switched over from from the West Coast, now you're in the Florida swing. What are your travel rituals? Anything curious that you do uh, on the road in terms of superstitions or where you stay? That's that's of note. Yeah, uh, great question. But I, I have a boring answer for you. I I'm probably the least uh, superstitious person <laughs> you'll ever meet. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, the one thing I do, so I, my mom passed away in 2011 mm-hmm. and her favorite color was green. So I, I wear green on Sunday, um, just, just to remember her and, and then just everything that she's done for my career. She passed away in, in 2011. So I was well into my golf career and, um, and I think she would have been proud, but I, so I wear, I wear green on Sunday and, uh, and, and just to remember her and, and, you know, uh, and really just everybody in my family. So that is one thing that, that I do. Um, but outside, outside of that, I, there's really no rituals that I have. You know, I, I feel like I am a, a pretty religious person. I, I do pray before I play and, uh, you know, and at night. But uh, not to go too much into detail on that, there's, there, there's really nothing else. Very cool. Well, Tony, uh, we appreciate the time. We wish you the, the best of luck this week and, and the rest of the season. And um, we hope your second season builds on the great success of your first year. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Sam. You got it. Have a great night. Okay. Thanks, Tony. Talk to you. Thanks. Thanks to Tony Finau for joining us on this week's Golf Digest podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And please check back next week to see who our guests are. 